simpletons. You're listening to the Minimalist Private Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about brands that we trust for home furnishings. You know, I just uh, moved into a new house, so Bex and I are, are knee deep. I was going to say balls deep, but that's really inappropriate. <laughs> that's a different metaphor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank oh, God man. for our patrons. Yes, yes. Thank you, patrons. Uh, enjoy these mixed metaphors. <clears throat> anyway, we're uh, some sort of body part deep yeah. <laughs> into uh, furnishing this new home. We're going to do a future episode about renting versus home ownership because mm-hmm. I have certain worries that I have about home ownership. Yeah. And here's what I can tell you. If it were just me living by myself without Ella, without Bex, there's no way that I would own a home personally yeah. for me. You'd have killed yourself by now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it, though. Yeah, it would just be, yeah, it would make more sense to have like a studio apartment. Because here's the thing about homeownership in Los Angeles, especially. Yeah. You could rent something for a fraction of what you would get on a mortgage for a a home. I mean, we also bought in Ventura County, which is, you know, it's a 70-mile drive and uh, away from here. Yeah. But, uh, or from LA in general. And so, because that same house we bought up there would be four or five times as oh, much in a na- neighborhood we want to be in here. It turns out a lot of people want to be in Southern California. Uh, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Even now, right? <laughs> yeah. I heard, I saw this meme the other day, Ryan, that said, um, uh, you, you know, what's the, the, the Jim Carrey, do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Oh, yes. <laughs> and then it showed a picture of like two hipsters that said, Hey, we just moved here from California. <laughs> you know, it's funny, man. Like, so Mariah and I, we were in Montana. We're Montanans who moved to Los Angeles, uh-huh. which is the exact opposite of what like Missoula, Montana is. It's usually people from LA move to Montana. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Bozeman. They, they've called yeah. it Boz Angeles. So Bozeman was the number one Zoom town, they're calling it, uh, during the pandemic. So Zoom as in the you know, being able to work on Zoom yeah. and so picking your destination. Yeah. In I, fact, P3 is getting ready to move out of LA. Oh, yeah. Uh, Post production Peter is here. He's filling in for podcast Sean, doing an outstanding job. If you love the audio quality these days, it's all because of Peter, peterduffmixing.com. Uh, if you need some post production needs as well, but he's moving to, uh, is, are we disclosing this yet? Is it okay? Oh, yeah. He's moving to Atlanta. Atlanta. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. His wife just got a job with the CDC. So, so he's going from bad traffic to worse traffic. Yeah, that is the one city with, with traffic worse than here, strangely. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. How long have you been in LA? Uh, I've been here this time for about a year. Okay. I went to college in the area a long time ago. I was in San Diego for several years in between. He's been in California okay. his whole life, yeah. though. Okay, yeah, okay hardcore yeah. California. And so this is his awesome. first time leaving California. Wow. He, he's finally uh, abandoning the nest. Is that the <laughs> is that what they they call it? Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh. So Ryan, we we were just talking about you know, bought this new home. Constantly being intentional about the things we bring in, how it's driving me crazy. I want to talk to you about some of those things mm-hmm. today. Before we get into that, I thought we would... Oh, and before we get to your surprise questions as well, mm. let's read some more about less. Let's do it. The article I have here today is from Miriam Caldwell. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. The title is called Eight Ways Minimalism Can Help Your Finances. It was written by Miriam Caldwell, reviewed by Charles Potters, and fact-checked by Julian Bender. (laughs) 
<laughs> but wait, minimalism doesn't work for poor people. <laughs> I don't. It doesn't say that here. No. Oh um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dif- so that's um, a different article. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on, yeah, which is hilarious. Whenever I hear that criticism, I'm like, I grew up really poor, and I think the thing yeah. we would have benefited most from was actually not more money, although that would have certainly helped. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, but being intentional with the resources we had right. would have been the most beneficial thing that we could have done. Well, th- those articles, um, and I would agree with these articles, the way that they present a bit of a straw man, uh, uh, you know, a straw man argument with minimalism. Like, hey, minimalism is about getting rid of stuff. Therefore, if you're, you know, if you're trying to be a minimalist and you're poor, you don't already have stuff, it's impossible for you to be a minimalist. So through that lens, I get it. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's so much more deeper than than getting rid of your your things and yeah it misunderstands minimalism in a way that that presupposes that minimalism is is about the minimalism that we see in advertisements right yes oh you need the minimalist car and you need the minimalist things no mm-hmm. no no minimalism is not about acquiring the right things um, you know it's funny like every once in a while uh for whatever reason i play um like i'm in a group or a, a men's team meeting or something and we play two truths and a lie and the lie that I always use is I once lived with less than 50 things because people assume like as one of the minimalists, like certainly that one's the true one gets them every time. <laughs> <laughs> now, if Ryan owned 50 things, though, they'd be strewn everywhere. <laughs> Messyminimalist.com coming soon. <laughs> It'd just be like 50 socks. So they're just everywhere throughout the, the studio. I hate putting stuff away. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Mariah, I don't, I, I don't envy you. Yeah. Um, Thanks for putting up with me honey <laughs> so she, like i'll come home and like she's like got everything nice and organized and i'm like uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so honey <laughs> this what is, are my 50 things <laughs> and i'm the exact opposite so we just bought this house right now thank god for bex because she tolerates my ocd in a way that in fact the I think the reason she tolerates it, she appreciates the end result. It's the same yes. reason you tolerate my OCD. Dude, I re- you really did help me a lot with, um, I'm, and I'm still a little messy, but you really did help me a lot with uh, the OCD stuff. May- like even, you know, washing a dish when it's done. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think like we, we use the dishwasher nowadays, but um, when it was just me and you, it didn't make sense. Like for, and we did, you know, we didn't dirty a lot of dishes. It didn't make sense to use a dishwasher, but like you had this thing where you cleaned as you went. And one, an example of that is as soon as you finish a dish, uh, finish using a dish, you, you wash it. You don't let it soak. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I used to love letting my dishes soak, <laughs> but yeah, Ryan's I mean, really into soaking. Yeah. Oh my god, there's like four people who got that. Um, don't look it up. Do not Google that. <laughs> Google image search. No, soaking. do not. No, don't. See what um, happens. But there are there are uh there are some things I picked up from living with you that I, I do appreciate the end result. So I yeah, I can totally see that. Well, and so with the house that we are in right now, it the the part of the thing that drives me crazy is like I don't want to own anything. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm relatively Spartan. And so yeah. we have a, a garage that has been turned into an ADU, an additional dwelling unit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a guest house, basically, that I've decided to take over. And like, that's my space. And literally, bed, desk, that's all I own. That's all I need. And I'm perfectly content. And, and supplements. But besides... The, <laughs> a bed, uh, desk, supplements. <laughs> yes, yeah. Basically, that's it. Some coffee. And... It's like uh, on Jersey Shore, they used to do uh, gym, tan, laundry, GCL. Yours is like B... Bed, desk, coffee. Yeah. B, yeah. 
Wait, BD, never mind, BDE? <laughs> Anyways, continuing. <laughs> yeah, you don't need a lot, man. Right. Yeah, and... Uh, I remember your room when we were living on the side of the mountain, man. You had, like, you had your bed, and you had that little desk that I, like... We bought it from a thrift store, and it was janky as heck. For $3. Th- it was for three bucks, yeah. And I got some of those brackets to, like, those L brackets to tighten it up for you. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's all we had. We had... I had a desk, a bed, and then we moved. Remember, we lived on Second Street in Missoula. That's oh all I had to a bed, a desk, a desk, that same desk. Yeah, and our living room was like it was our um, speech practicing room. Yes, there was <laughs> there were two chairs in it. Two chairs, yeah. And uh, and so I I just don't prefer to own. In fact, you can see that the uh, the everything that we owned uh, in the first documentary, minimalism. Yeah, and I mean the living room there had basically nothing in. Now it doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm opposed to things. I'm right. not. I like things that add value to my life that serve a purpose. And with my family, I also recognize that we need some things that I wouldn't own on my own. Yeah. And so having a couch, having a coffee table, having certain appliances that I wouldn't have. What Bex and I have got done done now, and I'm not, not going to go into all the details. We'll save this for the future episode where we really dive into home ownership, is I've, I say, all right, let's take everything out of the cabinets. How are we going to use this kitchen? Mm. So, so for example, she has she had spices to the right of the, the stove. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, we're both right-handed. So you want them to the left of the stove mm. because you pull out the spice, you untwist it with your right hand. Oh my God. And I think about everything as like, because yeah. we used to run these retail stores. Right. And so I'm thinking about the customer experience, but I'm the customer here, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. And so if I want to grab the spatula, I'm right-handed. You put the spatulas on the right side. You put the spices on the left. So we had to invert those things. And any other way is wrong. <laughs> as long as you're, right-handed. <laughs> Thankfully, her and I are both right-handed. And so that works well. But my whole point on this is about being intentional. That's what we're talking about today is intentionality with the things that we bring in, but also how they're placed in the home can make a huge difference. And mm-hmm. it was, I could tell Bex was frustrated because we spent an entire day, like eight hours organizing very few things in the kitchen. <laughs> but by the end of it, she was like, oh, this really does work better. And that realization makes her appreciate the OCD that I have. If she she doesn't appreciate it in the moment because she knows I'm neurotic, she also knows that my biggest weakness, you know, when they interview you, Ryan, like uh, somewhere and they're like, what, what's your biggest strength and your biggest weakness? Turns out my biggest weakness is my biggest strength. I care too much. I just work too hard. I work too hard. (laughs) I'm way too competent. I get along with people too well. <laughs> yeah. My my actual biggest weakness is I'm a completionist. Mm. And I'm constantly looking to get something done, to finish something. Mm. And it it's very I'm very future oriented. And I envy you in this way because and even Bex to a lesser extent, but you especially, you're able to be in the moment mm. in ways a lot of people aren't. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of us are constantly looking in the past. That tef- mm. definitely takes out of, out of the moment. You know what? why I can do that is because um, it's too much anxiety thinking about anything else. <laughs> so it's like, I just have this switch in my brain. Where I'm like, I don't want to think about the future. I just want to think about right now, which helps me a lot of the time. But also, um, uh, it, it can be a hindrance sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the opposite is true with me. It, um, my superpower yeah. is OCD, but it often will take me out of the moment. Yeah. And it's the reason that I prefer spaces to be so Spartanist is because I don't want anything to worry about, anything mm-hmm. to take care of, anything to to deal with. Mm. And if I just have a bed, a desk, and some coffee, that's all I really need. Mm-hmm. 
and um, I'm good to go. But yeah. as, you, as soon as you start introducing other variables, it's other things that I start like, should this go here? What do I do with this? I don't have to worry about those things if, they, if they're not there. If I, I'm, I'm not, I'm relinquishing them to the world because I don't need them, but I'm not renouncing them. I'm not saying stay out no matter what. I'm saying, hey, I don't see a use for this. Now, my life looks appreciably different at age 40 than when I first stumbled into minimalism in my late 20s. You're so old. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> anyway, Ryan, we have this article here. Okay. It's called Eight Ways Minimalism Can Help Your Finances. It's from The Balance by Miriam Caldwell. Minimalism is a movement that focuses on reducing the clutter in your life, both in physical objects and in other distractions. People who embrace it find ways to eliminate distractions from their lives, and it opens up more opportunities for them in other ways and areas. Embracing minimalism does not mean that you stop spending money, but it can mean that you spend it on other things and your focus may change from making money to enjoying life. Here are 10 ways, eight ways, minimalism can help your finances. Mm -hmm. Number one, it allows you to prioritize your spending. What were you really talking about there is budgeting, right? Mm -hmm. When we don't have a budget, quite often we spend money on what? The shiny new thing that looks enticing right there in the moment. What's in front of me? Right. I'm going to spend my money on that inadvertently forsaking the things that we need to spend our money on. Yeah. Oh, I just bought this. What's that? Who was showing me that the other day? Danny, was that you with the uh, the Lexus uh, commercial on Saturday Night Live? Or is that you, Jordan, no more? It was one of you. Anyway, there's the Saturday Night Live skit where it's um, the Christmas. If, if, adverti- if Lexus ads were true in real life. Oh, and, you're, and Lexus is known for like the... The Christmas time ad of a usually a, a man buying his wife Alexis and he look, like, honey, I surprised yeah, you. Yeah, I think it's a big bow on top. And yeah, yeah. And they come out to the yard. She's like, "You bought me a car? What? What? We didn't even talk about this." <laughs> yeah, and it's because what we try to do, we get excited, mm-hmm. we spend money, not realizing like, you now you're going to pay for that thing for the next eighty three months. Mm. That's not a gift. No. Oh, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Look at this burden I brought on, honey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lexus is not unlike herpes in that respect. (laughs) I guess it depends on your perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, it limits the need for things. So minimalism limits the need for things. Now, obviously, whatever lens of minimalism you are going through, you may come to someone's house who's a minimalist and it just looks tidy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a bunch of stuff. It can be aggressively minimalist. You Mm -hmm. sort of look at the Japanese version of minimalism and Zen living. Yeah. You can see they own next to nothing. Either way, though, what we're talking about, if you have, if you need fewer things, you're going to spend less money. Yeah. You're going to produce less waste. And that, that's really the lens that, um, I I hope that we project with uh, minimalism is it's it's about take dealing with those impulses, dealing with the desires to buy more things. That's that's unintentionally. But that's kind of where I have ended up with this whole thing. It's like minimalism isn't this answer to happiness. It's not this answer to anything except these impulses that we're constantly um, constantly having because of advertisements, because of our neighbors, because of our friends, whatever it is, um, especially in LA. Oh my God, man. Like it's funny because uh, my sister's boyfriend here in the audience, he's a car guy. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I just, when I see a car, I won't really process how much it is, but he's like, he knows all about it. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, we're driving. He's like, oh, that's a million dollar car right there. And like being in LA and seeing these things, there are a million dollars for a car. Yes. Yeah. What was it? The Mercedes SLK or something? SLR. Yeah. Million dollar car. But it's funny because like, I never would have noticed that, but he points it out. And th- there's this impulse to me where I'm like, mm-hmm. will I ever be able to afford a million dollar car? And then I'm like, wait a minute. Why? I can end the thought right there. I don't have to like keep neurosing over, am I ever going to be able to afford a million dollar car? Why would I want to afford a million dollar car? You know? Yeah. And even if you had the cash for it, and that, that's the funny right, thing. Exactly. Quite often we don't go into debt for things. Our lens through which we spend money, through which we budget our money is different because not the, one of the questions, by the way, we have these five questions you can ask yourself for before you buy anything. Mm-hmm. You just go to theminimalists.com slash before. Mm-hmm. You can download the free wallpaper. You can put it up there on your phone. So anytime you go in to make a purchase, you just ask yourself these five questions. One of them is, can I afford it? Right. Can I afford the actual cost? But then is the another question is, is this the best use of that money? Mm-hmm. So if you could afford a million dollar car, let's say you had a million dollars in the bank, right? That you, then technically you could afford the million dollar car. Right. But would that be the best use of that money? Yeah. Probably not. And yet we go into debt for those things because we don't think about the future costs. We're we're punishing our future selves by going into debt. Mm-hmm. So the next benefit here, the next way that minimalism can help your finances is you need less room so you can save on your mortgage and rent. Mm. I remember when we went to go rent an apartment in Missoula years ago and had all these like storage spaces and right. cabinets. And yeah. I saw that and I just thought, what wasted space. We're not going to use any of those things. In fact, the new house we bought now, the master bedroom has a walk-in closet. And I'm like, yeah, this is odd. I mean, it was the only downside in the whole place for me. I think for most people, it'd be a huge upside. Mm-hmm. But then we decided, oh, well, we'll just keep our exercise equipment in here. So like, I have a set of weights and we have some yoga mats. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like it's closet and wellness room all sort of together there. And it's yeah. not a, a very big walk-in closet, thankfully, but it's still space that if I were redesigning the house, I wouldn't have designed that there. Yeah, And, and so no matter what you do when you are buying a new house, there's going to be some sort of trade-off somewhere in there. But mm. we don't need a whole lot of space. And that, that was nice. As minimalists, the this house we bought feels very spacious to us, mm-hmm. but it's much smaller than what the average new house, which is, it's about half the size of what your average new house uh, being built is. Yeah. But it feels spacious to us. And the kitchen, because you know the kitchen I had in our last apartment. Oh, yeah. It was like a micro kitchen. Right. Three people in there was too many people. And Ella loved to come in there only when Bex and I were in there together. <laughs> she would like run between our legs and push us and uh, throw hot grease on us. It was her favorite game. Oh, kids these days. <laughs> uh, her favorite game is called Ouch. <laughs> hey, Josh, you want to play Ouch? <laughs> no, leave me alone. Anyway, this kitchen now, it's like a normal size kitchen. But to mm. me, it feels like we're at the Getty Museum mm. because just having a normal size kitchen. Yeah. Now, here's the funny thing that we I'm going to talk about this in, in a bit here on this maximal episode but we have all these extra drawers that we didn't have before and what I've noticed is like now I can just have a drawer with three spatulas in it oh my that must be so satisfying it is you. so satisfying I want to talk to you about some of the drawer organization here <laughs> that we're doing in a bit 
Uh, let's see, number four here, gives you a focus when it comes to financial goals and budget. So minimalism gives you a focus when it comes mm. to having a budget. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think having a budget helps you focus more than anything. Yeah. You want to talk, use the Every Dollar app? Yeah, man. It's interesting because like that's, um, I even, I did a financial course one time, just the financial freedom, like how to get out of debt. But like the first thing that I ever bring up when someone's talking about finances is I'll ask them like, hey, do you have a budget? And I've had friends who were, um, you know, they're like starving artists and um, they can you know, they were asking me about some advice for, uh, for finances. And I asked them like, Hey, are you, do you have a budget? And my one, my one friend was like, um, I don't need a budget, Ryan, to know that I'm poor. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but if you don't know how poor you are, then you're doing yourself a disservice. But yeah, the b- budget, number one thing to do if you're, if you're concerned about finances, if you don't have a budget, get a budget. In 2011, I lived off of $23,000 that year. Mm-hmm. The only way I could have possibly done that, that's when I walked away from the corporate world for the first time. The only way I could have done that was with a strict budget. Like I knew like, okay, here's how much money I'm going to spend on coffee this mm-hmm. week. Yeah, here's how much money I'm going to spend on gro- groceries. Every dollar has a destination. Yeah. That's why they call it every dollar. Yeah, it's a great app. It's free. There is a pro version that will um, basically sync up your bank accounts. I like the free version because... It forces me to manually enter things, and there's a little bit more resistance, a mm-hmm. little bit more pain associated, uh, discomfort associated with it. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great app. As you know, this is not an ad. We don't no. do any any ads. No, but, but I talk it up because it's like it's it's so easy to use, and it's yeah, it's a great budgeting tool. The next way that can benefit your minimalism can benefit your finances is focus on getting out of debt and living debt free. So, to me, the new American dream is being out of debt. And I say that as someone who lived his entire adult life from the time he turned 18 and got the credit cards, ended up with 14 credit cards at one point, had six figures of debt, had half a million dollars of debt almost, if you count the mortgage and the cars and everything else that was Mm -hmm. in there. Now, the average indebted household has $97,775 in non-mortgage debt. So that sounds fake to me. Right. Yeah. So I'm sorry. So that includes... Student loans. Yeah. Uh, credit card debt mm-hmm. and car payments. Yeah. And so there's other debts on top of that as well. If you have like payday loans and so forth, it's even more than that. If you add those things in there. Yeah. But if you're just talking about those big three non-mortgage debt. It's crazy. It's yeah. And so that keeps us tethered to a life we don't want to live. It it prohibits, it prevents our freedom. Yeah. Well, minimalism uh, says consider selling items as, as you free yourself of them. So that's something else that minimalism, another way that minimalism helps your finances by selling some things. So I, I put in place a rule where it was, when I was in debt, anything that I could sell for more than $20, I was getting rid of. I didn't donate it. I sold it. Mm-hmm. So here's how you let go of things. The formula that Ryan and I have used for a while now, try to sell the thing. If it doesn't sell in a week, lower the price by half. If it doesn't sell in a month, then you can donate it. Mm-hmm. If you can't donate it, then you can recycle it. If you can't recycle it, eventually it might end up in the trash. But that prevents us from trashing 90 plus percent of the things. And you make some money to pay off your debt along the way. Now, for some people, $20 is way too low of a threshold. You can set that threshold at $100, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. and then donate anything under your threshold. That will help you get out of debt a lot faster, selling things you no longer use. They'll take up some of your time, Yeah, but you're going to feel free by letting go of the things. You'll also free feel free by getting out of debt. Yeah. 
helps you find ways to simplify your finances. Minimalism does. There are several things you can do to make handling your finances easier. You can pay your bills all in one day. I tend to do that. Um, I, I also do, um, I, I, I do auto pay on things that I can do and I try to set it all for the same time of month. So mm. I just watch them all come in there. I get the email reminder about those. Yeah. Also, uh, she says in here, you can switch to cash for everyday purchases, which is what I do. Mm. A few places don't actually allow cash anymore. That's crazy. The reason I do that is because it's harder to part with a dollar bill than it is to swipe your credit card. So true. And, uh, I do that with most purchases mm-hmm. now just because handing over the cash it makes me realize how real this is do yeah. i want to give up this five dollars because i'm giving up five dollars of my freedom i had to work for a certain amount of time to earn that five dollars i'm giving up a piece of my freedom ultimately minimalism makes giving easier that's the eighth way and i think that's true ryan you and i over the last decade or so We've contributed, I think, to nine different philanthropic projects Mm -hmm. from building a nonprofit grocery co-op in our hometown of Dayton, Ohio. We helped the victims of Hurricane Harvey. We built an elementary school in Laos. Mm -hmm. We funded a high school for a year. We've done a bunch of different things, um, buying mosquito nets, building clean water wells in communities that didn't have clean water. Uh, We helped build two orphanages. Yep. And I'll say all those things to brag, but to say that as we've simplified our lives, it's made more room for contribution. Yeah. There's an old app with them that giving is living and it, that mm-hmm. turns out to be true. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like when you, when you feel like your needs are met, I'm not saying it has to be this way, but it just seems to be this way. When your needs are met, that's when you start to look externally. That's when you can start to look at others and be like, okay, how can I add value to other people's lives? Because mm-hmm. when we're distracted by, oh, I got to have this, I got to have that upgrade, I got to get this, I got to go on this trip, I got to save up this, it's very, it's, it's a lot harder to look externally. Now, it's interesting because like, you know, you talked about the elementary school in Laos. Those are some of the poorest people I've ever been around in my life. They were some of the most giving people I've ever been around in my life too. Wow. But that's, that you know, that's something um, that they have over there. They got a really tight knit community. It's not just, you know, your neighbors, it's not just your relatives. Like it's an entire city community that, you know, people are looking out for each other and we don't really have that so much over here, unfortunately. What I would call, I would call that maturity in, in one way. Mm-hmm. The shift away from me to we is a shift in maturity. Now, you can be six years old and be more mature than a 46-year-old yeah. who needs that million-dollar Mercedes in order to feel adequate. Right. And it's not to say there's anything wrong with buying a Mercedes Benz. It's not morally wrong. No. But understanding that that may not be the best use of that money for me. That Mercedes is not going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. Happiness does not come from the acquiring, the acquisition of things or relationships or mm-hmm. status mm-hmm. or approval from others. Happiness is within and it can only be uncovered. By the way, we're working on one other philanthropic project right now. If you want to help us uh, with that, we have partnered up with uh, the folks over at Ramsey Education. Ryan and I, we went into debt in our 20s really bad. And man, it caused a lot of anxiety, stress, discontent in our lives. I remember that first commission check I got at the telecommunications company we were working for. And my first thought was, is, oh man, think of all the, think of the debt payment I can afford for a new truck. Yes. It's good. And then, yeah, you get a raise and it's like, how many more debt payments can I afford? This will enable me to burden my future self. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so Ryan and I went into so much debt because we didn't have financial literacy education. No. Yeah. We didn't know. And so we let everyone else dictate what 
is right. Build up your credit score, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of bad advice from society and we want to help change that in Dayton. So we have partnered up with Ramsey Education and we're going to teach every middle school student and every high school student in and around Dayton, Ohio, Montgomery County, the personal found or the foundations and personal finance. Mm-hmm. And it's a course that they go through in school, in middle school and high school. And for $25, you can teach one middle school student or $45 for a high school student mm-hmm. the foundations and personal finance course. You can sponsor a kid for 25 bucks or 45 bucks. Just go to theminimalists.com slash education yeah. if you'd like to contribute to that philanthropic project. Yeah, and just think, if you contribute to that project, think of all the the suffering you will save these kids that's compounded by debt. And uh, just to be clear, Josh and I don't make a dime from this at all. This like 100% of this goes towards uh, these kids curriculum. Yeah, it's a great point. We see none of the money, but it's going to help some kids not borrow from their future. Yeah. Ryan, I saw this concept. I meant to talk about this. We did the dumpster method episode a yeah. few episodes back. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. But it was one thing I was at Target maybe a, t- a year or two ago. Mm. And so I wrote this down on my podcast notes. I want to talk about this eventually, but I forgot to talk about it on the episode. I, you know, those like the clearance section when you walk into Target and it's like, here's all the cheap plastic yes. stuff no one wanted. And so yeah, it's, here's like the floor model stuff that's like it's chipped or cracked or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the overflow stuff. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, 90% off or yeah. whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I saw this thing called a desk dumpster. No way. (laughs) What a metaphor. Exactly. So like, hey, I cling to all these things I don't need. So my desk is a total mess. I'm going to clean it up by putting all these things in a desk dumpster. So now all of my trash is just going to be in one location on my desk instead of having 300 of pieces of trash strewn across my my desk. So this helps you organize all your junk, basically. It helped instead of throwing out the stuff in an actual dumpster. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it encourages us to have more junk on our desk. A dumpster organizer. It's the it, it's the exact problem that we run into with organizing. This is why, why I say organizing is well-planned hoarding mm-hmm. because quite often we're doing the desk dumpster equivalent in our homes. I'll just organize a bunch of things that are trash, that are junk, things I don't need, things that get in the way, things that add value. Now they're just going to get in the way in a different way. They're going to get in the way psychologically, yeah. emotionally. I'm going to feel the weight, the strain of those things, mm-hmm. even if they're organized. Yeah. But the best way to organize those things is to get rid of most of them. Before we get into our surprise questions, Ryan, I see a lot of new patrons around here lately. Yeah. And I want to encourage you, by the way, welcome aboard, patrons. Heck yeah. I want to encourage you to use your real photo when you're interacting in our comments and community. We identify with other people, with other people's photos. The best way to identify with someone is to actually see them there, right? Don't worry. It's a private community. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this, but we certainly prefer if you use your photo. You just go to the desktop version of Patreon, patreon.com slash The Minimalists, and upload your profile picture. So when you're interacting on the community tab there or in the comments on this mm-hmm. episode or any other episode, then uh, we get to see your smiling face or your frowning face. Yeah. No, it's just... Creates a little bit more of a tight-knit community, and that's what it is over at, at Patreon with us. It's an awesome community, and if you want to get involved and make it a little more tight-knit, put a picture of yourself. Yes. Yeah. And it's a great way to in, in get involved with other simpletons as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. The comment section, there's also a community tab over there. 
We all interact with each other over there. You can post questions, comments, comment on this episode. It's a loving community. That's what I found. It's so different from, you know, say, YouTube comments or especially Twitter comments, right? Or Reddit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I won't even get on Reddit. But I, I will I will say this. it's These comments are thoughtful and loving 99.9% of the time, mm-hmm. right? These are from considerate people. And if they have feedback, it's well thought out. It's well considered. It's mm-hmm. not the seagulls that will fly into Twitter, crap on you and fly away. Right. It's people who... Um, are thankful, are thoughtful, are sincere. And we certainly appreciate that. Now, I will tell you this. If you're a new patron, you may be wondering like, oh, I really enjoyed listening to episode 288. How do I find the corresponding maximal episode? Well, our good friend Emma the Immigrant, she made it easy for all of us. If you just go to patreon.com slash the minimalists and you just type in episode 288, literally the word episode space 288, it will show you then the corresponding episode. Mm. And I also just spoke with our friends over at Patreon yesterday, Laura over there. I can't give you all the details yet, but they are radically improving the user experience. I always thought it was a great experience already, mm-hmm. but they're, do- they're doing some things to streamline the listening experience. So if you actually listening listen to our podcast on the app itself, the Patreon app, that it all of a sudden and now it keeps your place. You don't have to like mark down where your place was before. And they're streamlining the entire app experience, also the desktop experience over at Patreon. So however you listen to this podcast, maybe it's your RSS feed, you're listening through Apple Podcasts, or you're listening to the Patreon app, you're listening on the desktop, you're watching the video version, if you're one of the top tier folks there on Patreon. However you listen, the experience is going to continue to be improved for you. I want to see... Uh, oh, by the way, Ryan, we're, we, uh, we just did three... VIP videos last week. So anyone who's a VIP, one of our 200 or so VIP patrons, uh, we do once a year, we'll do a, a special message for you, a customized birthday message. We did uh, engagement messages. Mm. It's kind of like cameo, but you don't have to pay us any money for it. Yeah. If you are one of the VIPs, it's just a, a perk that we throw in to that tier where you just send us a DM, let us know what message you want. As if it's about your birthday, tell us something about you. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Don't just say, hey, my name's Dave, and I'd like a message from Josh and Ryan, because then we'll get... Just be like, hi, Dave. Well, see you later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so any VIPs, if you want a personalized message, go ahead and DM us on Patreon. We'll do a custom message for you as soon as we get that. And Ryan, the next time Ryan and I are together, we just record them. When we're in the studio, we're out in the street together, wherever. Yeah, those are fun. Alabama, we got some surprise questions today. Let's start with a question from Josiah. How do we shop online with intentionality? What should we look for in product reviews, researching a company's reputation, etc., to make sure we really understand what we're buying? You know, it's crazy, man. Kind of like we, we talked about voting and how much of a responsibility responsibility it is to yeah. vote responsibly. Right. And what we talk about is all the research that we have to do with each candidate. And it takes hours to like look up each candidate, you know, what are what are their pros, what are their cons, and then we make an informed decision. It's very similar with online shopping, I feel like. There is uh, potentially, yeah, some, some time that you're going to have to spend there. I know, um, yeah, I was talking uh, during the break about how, so Mariah has, my wife has taken her art and she has put it onto clothing and it's, it's, it's art on your body. It's freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but to produce this, you know, it is an on-demand type service. Like she had to do some research and find like a company that was, you know, sustainable, 
green conscious. I don't know if it's a B Corp or not, mm-hmm. but it took some time. It wasn't, you know, it, it takes a little bit of effort. So there certainly is some time up front you're gonna have to put. So yeah, I know you're buying a bunch of stuff for your house. How, how did you and Bex go about this? Well, hopefully I'm not buying a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so I say that in air quotes, right? <laughs> it's a bunch for me, but relative to, I think your average American household, yeah. it is very little, but we're doing so with intentionality. So my wife and I and, and our daughter, we, we just got a new house that is up in Ventura County. Mm-hmm. And and in doing so, we were very intentional. We've, we've looked for the last year or so and finally found the house that was appropriate for us, the right mm-hmm. square footage, being intentional about the location, the neighborhood. We met our neighbors beforehand. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a future episode on home ownership versus renting. And so I'm not going to talk about all the details of that because we'll, we'll save it for that private podcast episode. Mm-hmm. But I did want to talk to you, Ryan, about as I'm going through this process, I've been working with our friend Beulah, who helped outfit this studio with mm-hmm. some of, uh, she helped with this desk that we have, with the couch that our studio audience is sitting on right now, with the furniture that P3 and Jordan know more are at, and Danny's on a bench back here that Beulah picked out. She just has this interior design sense. You can mm-hmm. follow her on Instagram, by the way. She's just at Beulah, kind of like the, the city in North Dakota, Beulah, mm-hmm. North Dakota, shout out. <laughs> Here are seven brands that I trust. And I wrote down, this is not like a, a YouTube clickbait thing. It's it's genuine. Uh, four, no, number four and six are going to shock our audience. That I, Josh, how could you possibly trust these brands? Coca-Cola and McDonald's. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. But uh, so let's talk about trust before we get into these seven brands. Yeah. Why do I trust you? Well, because they've earned my trust so far. Now, it's hard, really hard to earn someone's trust. It's really easy to lose Mm. their trust. Yeah. Now, what does it mean to earn someone's trust? Well, it means that I've done enough research where I feel that their values are either aligned with mine or more than likely they don't get in the way of mine. They're not, Mm. they're not opposed to my values, mm, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're neutral to my values, mm. right? So the first one is, I was talking about this earlier, we have a kitchen and it's bigger than any kitchen that I've had in apartments, although it's just a regular size kitchen, mm. but I'm not used to having this many drawers. And so we found this custom drawer organization company mm. and these drawer organizers are not cheap I would not recommend this. I would not do this personally. And by the way, I'm not recommending any of these brands to anyone. But I wouldn't do this personally if I was just living in an apartment for a few years because this is the house that we bought that we plan to spend the rest of our lives in. Mm. And so I knew that I wanted to have some custom drawers. Mm -hmm. And so they're just custom dividers. How do you plan on using the space? Mm. Instead of trying to cram our things into a few drawers... Bex and I went through literally and said, how are we going to use the space? And let's see where we keep our things relative to how we use the space. And so this company is called Salt by Sabrina. We'll put a link to this in the private podcast show notes. But they do some other home organization things, baskets and boxes and et cetera, other products. But that's not what I'm interested in. They specifically specialize in drawer organizers Mm. that custom fit your drawers. So, oh, this drawer is 19 inches wide and 17 inches deep and two inches tall. You can get a organizer for that drawer. Oh, I'm going to keep silverware in here, so I need more slats. Or here's Mm. my junk drawer. Here's how I want my junk drawer to be organized. Oh, wow. How am I using this space? Now, the best way to organize is to not have many things in there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because I could get these organizers, 
And if they just enable me to cram a bunch of things I don't need in there, that's still clutter. Mm -hmm. But once I've removed the clutter, I wanted something that, well, it helped my OCD, but also something I knew I was going to use long term. If I was just going to be in an apartment for a year, five years, even, I think I'd just go with the regular, like I have regular dividers I bought from Target or mm -hmm. Ikea or wherever, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I trust those brands necessarily. But what I am saying is that this company allowed me to customize my kitchen so that I can set it and forget it. It's something I'm not going to have to worry about in perpetuity. The minimalist architect in our first film, Frank, when he said, hey, I don't ask people how do they want a living room? Do they want a two-car garage? Do you want a second living room? Mm -hmm. Do you want four bathrooms? Do you want a dining room? People always say yes to these things because right. you feel like it's what you're supposed to have. Instead, when Bex and I went into the house, we said, how do we plan on using the space? How do we want to live our life in this space? And let's customize the space for that as opposed to cramming our life into someone else's space. The next brand I have, number two. Oh, Ryan, you're going to... So where we move, there's a lot of flies this time of year. <laughs> and so I haven't owned a fly swatter in years. And I wanted to intentionally buy a fly swatter because there's so many junk you know, cheaply made fly swatters out there. Is this like there. one of the electric ones? No, it's not. <laughs> no. The it's, it's In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's an Amish fly swatter, oh, literally wow. made by the Amish. Oh, wow. It's Hope Woodworking Leather Fly Swatter. And here's why. Here's one of the reviews, Ryan. This is the top review for this fly swatter. The title of it, five stars. Live your glory vanquish your foes. <laughs> if you were like me, you are reading these product reviews and wondering to yourself, do I really need to spend $15 on a military grade heirloom quality fly swatter? <laughs> military grade. The answer, my friends, is yes. <laughs> Let go of the urge to buy a multi-pack of the cheap plastic kind for about the same price. Do you really need more than one fly swatter at any one given time? Besides, those cheap ones are made to die. This one is made to live in glory. It's destiny written in the sands of time as one of the greatest household defenders ever to slap the life <laughs> from the annoying invaders oh that goodness. you seek to vanquish. <laughs> so good. So good. And there's so many reviews that are just like that. Another one is everything you need to know about fly swatters and more. Mm. And it just goes on. And so one thing about this is like, I wanted to buy a fly swatter because I know we needed one because we just had flies who were sneaking in. And, mm. and But I wanted one that we were going to have for the rest of our lives. Mm. And now I have that fly swatter, unless Ella like takes it out of the house and loses it somehow, that we're going to have for the rest of our lives. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Number three, Ryan. The furniture company that I trust because I've purchased things from them before is Design Within Reach. Right. Now, here's what I'll say about Design Within Reach. It takes high design artistic furniture that lasts a lifetime, mm -hmm. but it puts it within reach of people who are yeah. budget conscious. It's not you know, cheap furniture you'd buy from Walmart. Yeah, or Ikea. Or, yeah. yeah. But... Um, what you're doing is you're spending more money on something that's going to last an appreciably longer time. If yeah. I buy a end table or a bedside table mm -hmm. that's going to last me the rest of my life, 
it's actually going to save me money mm-hmm. than if I were to buy 10 over the course of the rest of my life from a place like Walmart, yeah. right? Yeah. And so Design Within Reach is a place that um, I've got, I got our end tables. I got a dresser from there. I have a credenza, mm-hmm. AKA a sideboard, AKA a buffet, <laughs> AKA there's a few other names for it. <laughs> they all used to mean different names, but now they all are all just used interchangeably. Media console. That's the other name. Uh-huh. Uh, and we've picked up some other decorative pieces there as well. It's not cheap, but it's also not crazy expensive either. It's within reach. Mm. Right now, we're currently saving up to buy a, a new bed because we want a larger size bed now that mm-hmm. we are in our forever home. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just saving up money. We're budgeting so that we can afford the bed that we want to buy. So it's the last bed that we ever buy. Bed frame, that is. Gotcha. Number four, and this is one of the ones that will surprise you, Ikea. Mm. Let me tell you why I trust Ikea. Mm. It's not that I think that they are, they are they're a values-driven corporation. They're certainly not a B Corp or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust them in the sense that I think they're doing good for the environment or mm-hmm. they're, they're a sustainable company. So I want to be clear about that. Mm. And this will surprise people because if you remember our book, Everything That Remains, like there's a whole section in there about the woes of Ikea. Yeah. And people often thought that I was saying Ikea is the problem. Right. Ikea is not the problem. No. I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm the problem because if I feel like I, I can constantly replace things over and over and over, here's where I think Ikea makes sense. Mm. If I have, if I appreciate aesthetics and I don't have a lot of money and I'm willing to be intentional with the little bit of money that I do have, mm-hmm. and then I can build my own furniture from Ikea And knowing that I'm going to be in a place for a few years and I want that furniture to look good. But if I'm going to move that furniture, there's a good chance it's going to break or disintegrate or get dinged up. Yes. And so Ikea, with a caveat, know what you're getting. Yeah. You're not getting design within reach quality. No. You're getting something that can be beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. It's also very DIY, right. and it's DIY friendly as well. Mm. If you go to YouTube and type in IKEA hacks, there are so many creative ways that you can take different parts from IKEA furniture and build your own furniture that is more custom for you. Oh wow! Well, yeah, what I like about IKEA is like uh, it's kind of like Starbucks. It's not my favorite coffee company, but when I go to Star, I know exactly what I'm going to get at Starbucks. Same thing with Chipotle. It's mm. like the consistency is there, and if any, I can see that would be a reason to trust Ikea. It's like you you, you know what you're getting. Yes. And yeah. as long as you know what you're getting, don't think mm-hmm. you're getting something that's going to last forever. Right. And so be careful there because this is not the most sustainable way to, to buy something. In fact, there's a reason you don't see a whole lot of Ikea furniture secondhand. Right. Now, I will say this though, before going into Ikea, which I will never walk into another Ikea store again, hopefully, mm-hmm. You can try to buy things from eBay, secondhand, thrifting. Mm-hmm. A lot of furniture that we've purchased over the years. You mentioned the desk that we had in Montana. It was mm-hmm. a $3 desk that we bought secondhand, right? Yep. The bed frame that I bought was secondhand. Uh, many of the the chairs that we bought in Montana for our dining table, that dining table itself was secondhand, mm-hmm. right? And so I tend to prefer to buy secondhand, especially if you're looking for a more eclectic design. So that's not a brand at all, right? That mm. is simply a a choice to find brands that adhere to your aesthetic and your preferences 
secondhand. Mm -hmm. So it's not being created for the first time. And sometimes you can find many of these Ikea things. Someone buys something and a month later they realize they don't like it, doesn't fit in their space just right. Or maybe there's a little scratch on it or whatever. Now you can find that on eBay or especially on Craigslist Mm -hmm. or Macari or Facebook um, the the marketplace now. Oh, yeah. the, there are all these different places where you can buy used furniture. The building that I lived in before had an internal group where you could, oh, wow. you know, because it was like 150 people lived in that one building. Mm-hmm. So you could post, oh, I've got this credenza for sale. Mm. And it was a great way to buy something if and only if you truly needed it. The couch I have is, um, this is number five, by the way, Bow Concept. Mm. People ask all the time, where'd you get your couch from? Not the cheapest, certainly not the most expensive, but it's the couch that I want for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so spending a little bit more money on that, a few thousand bucks, a couple thousand bucks mm-hmm. on that was not a cheap decision, but it was, hey, here's the couch that I'm going to have in perpetuity. Yeah. And so- and you can customize it and stuff too, which is kind of yeah, nice. P- yeah, pick your fabric, et cetera. Now it's not a quick turnaround time. It takes a while, right? But if you're doing that with your forever couch, then, and you've set, on that. Now I never have to worry about that ever again. Mm. Uh, I also got a, a set of dining chairs from there. They have some other beautiful things as well, Bo Concept. But I want to talk to you. The reason I brought Bo Concept into this was because they actually lost my trust and then gained it back. Mm. And so we had a lot of problems when we ordered the couch and it was delayed and we got these excuses and and the customer service just was not great. And, and so the, the next time we had an issue, we went to them and they were under... So each store is locally owned and managed mm. and they had a new management there mm. and the management went way out of the way to deliver samples like to our home. Mm. I, I never, you know, Hey, well, I'll just mail these to you. In fact, you know what? I'm driving by where you live tonight. I'm just going to bring them over. And so quite often you can lose trust, but then a company or a person, usually it's because a person does this right. can work hard to regain your trust mm-hmm. And so that's why I trust them. Now, I could lose my trust again, for sure. Mm -hmm. But they've worked hard to accommodate us when we had questions. And so Bo Concept was another one there that has helped us out. Um, This is probably the biggest one for me. Number six, Ryan, is uh, we have a reverse osmosis filter on our our, uh, water uh, at our sink. Mm -hmm. So reverse osmosis, because I don't want to drink any of the, the chemicals, the chlorine, the... What else is in our, our water Fluoride. Supply? Yeah, fluoride can be a problem in, in certain instances. Arsenic. There's a lot of arsenic. <laughs> yeah, if you go to ewg.org, rather, ewg.org slash tap water, you can, I was just showing uh, Alston St. John this the other day, like, hey, give yeah. me your zip code. Type in your zip code. It's very scary. It's, yeah. Because it's not a matter of if you're drinking arsenic. It's how much arsenic are you drinking? <laughs> It's, it's that's right. Yeah, it's pretty scary. And how far over the reckon, recommended limit of arsenic is in your local water? Yeah. Spoiler alert: a lot more. Yeah. And other things, including things like uranium, can even be in your water. And so there are these high levels of chemicals that aren't so high that it's not like a Flint, Michigan sort of situation. Mm-hmm. But if you go find, go to ewg.org/tapwater, you can look at your local water. Well, there are a few ways to get that out. You can have a filter like a a Berkey, which I know Ryan has. Those things have have their own problems mm-hmm. um, with potentially leaching aluminum into your water, which I found out very recently. Mm-hmm. In fact, podcast Sean, if you put a link to 
there is a episode that our friend Paul Saladino recently did. Mariah, I just shared this with you um, about water. And he basically determined that reverse osmosis filter is the most cost-effective way. It's not real cheap, but you can do a countertop one if you live in an apartment or mm. the apartment that I was in, we actually had a plumber come out and install it mm. under the sink. And in doing that, you're filtering out all of the nonsense that's yeah. in your water. Mm-hmm. And so that's important to me because I don't want to be drinking poison throughout the day because yes, one glass of tap, tap water is not going to kill any of us. Right. Probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but repeated exposure to these chemicals over time, they often make us ill. So uh, I use Brio. I don't, that's the brand that I use personally. It's a reverse osmosis filter. I'll put a link to the one that I use in the show notes if you're interested in taking a look. There are other countertop ones that you can get as well. But uh, I would I would definitely do that over um, just a regular, you know, whatever the Brita filter is, right? Uh, the Brita filter is just a regular carbon filter. Yeah. It doesn't filter out most of the stuff we just talked about. Here's the seventh one for you. This one's going to surprise you as well. Mm. Amazon. Hmm. Let me tell you why I trust Amazon. Hmm. It's not Amazon that I trust at all. Right. It's the reviews. Yeah. So, and I don't trust the stars either because I can see something with 4.5 stars, hmm. but I want to read the reviews. Right. Remember when you and I were on tour, Ryan, back in 2014 and we would go to Yelp mm-hmm. at the time. We type in hipster coffee shop. Yeah. We were like always looking for good coffee. Right. That was the way you found good coffee. By looking at the negative reviews. Right. Because the negative reviews often will tell you more about the product than the, yeah, than the positive reviews. It would, yeah. re- it would reveal something about the product or something about the reviewer. Yeah, absolutely. Quite, quite off with coffee, it was like, oh, this hipster place, they couldn't even make my caramel macchiato with mm-hmm. ice. And yeah. it's like, well, no, that's not why I go to a coffee shop, right? right. I don't want a, a milkshake. Right. I want an actual coffee, right? And so what I realized is that these negative reviews often illuminated the positives mm. about the product or service. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to Amazon, let me talk to you about when I use Amazon. Hmm. It's if I can't buy something locally from an independent local shop first. So this past weekend, Bax and I were searching for a few things locally. We went to the local independent hardware shop where we live and they had a bunch of things that we needed for yeah. the home. They didn't have a squeegee. And I need a squeegee. And so... <laughs> Dude, that's one of those things I picked up from you as well. If, in fact, uh, Mariah has also picked up on it now. The like, squeegee. Yeah, squeegeeing is like game changer. For the shower. Of, yeah, in it really is. Yeah, anyway. Yes. So so you had to go to Amazon and get a squeegee. I did. And What's in brand of squeegee? I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a German squeegee. And I'll, yeah. I'll, you know what? If uh, Podcast Sean reminds me, I'll put a link to the squeegee I use in the show notes. But it was from looking at the reviews mm. and the negative reviews, people were often, the suction cup on this thing is terrible. And then like, there are other people who said, hey, for the people who are saying the suction cup on this is terrible, they don't know how to use a suction cup. <laughs> Here's how it works. And so like reading the nuance, now this drives me crazy because what we're really talking about, we're still answering Josiah's question here. Mm. How do you shop intentionally? Mm-hmm. It's by slowing down and being intentional about the things we bring in. Yeah. Because it made me pause and say, do I really need a squeegee? Do I really get value from it? Do I, am I willing to dedicate this time? Because first, I'm not going to Amazon first. Almost ever. Yeah. I'm going to go... Now, there are a few exceptions, I'm sure. sure. I'm going to go to my local independent shop. I mean, mm-hmm. Jordan just bought this mic cable that we needed. 
Um, and he, he went up to Amatron in Burbank and and bought this 250 foot mic cable that Peter needs to rewire some things here in the studio, shopping intentionally locally. And that means mm. sometimes even paying a little bit more sometimes. locally, right? Yeah. Now, not always. Sometimes you even save locally. Yeah. But it's also saving on the environmental impact. Think about this for a second. If I'm going to a local butcher, which I did this weekend, got to meet my local butcher, and they have ethically raised and slaughtered animals. So I know exactly where the food is coming from. Mm-hmm. And I understand the impact. It's not coming from Brazil. It's not coming from New Zealand. Not there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with those places, no. but the carbon impact of those things is much higher if I'm getting meat from halfway a- around the world or if I'm getting vegetables from the equator this time of year than I'm not buying locally. Hmm. I met my local honey dealer. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I, say, I say dealer because it's like a drug for me. I'm, yeah. I really enjoy honey. Mm-hmm. My local pharmacist, my local grocery store, all of these local places in the small town that we moved to. Mm. And then as a backup, if they don't have what I need, the reason I trust Amazon is not because I trust Amazon and Jeff Bezos. Sure. I'm not against them. I'm not against corporations. I'm not against capitalism. I'm not against profitability. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes those things can be problematic when we put money over people. But the people is what I trust. And Amazon curates the people's opinions about products in a way where I'm not just looking at the star review. I'm looking at the individual comments to see if it matches what I need. And then before I click buy, I'm asking myself, is this the best use of that money? Mm. Do I actually need this product? Can I wait for it? Or is there an alternative? Mm. And if not, I feel comfortable with go ahead and buying from Amazon. Hmm. I have one bonus for you, which I have not tried yet. So this is a a brand that I might trust in the future. Okay. I've been looking for a new mattress. My mattresses will be 10 years old next year. Mm. No, this year. No, next year. It'll be 10 years old next year. And um, and so it's starting to wear out. And plus, Bex and I want a, a larger bed. We're, we're tired of sleeping on a twin bed together. <laughs> I just love cuddling so oh, much. That's right, man. That's right. And no, uh, yeah, we have a queen size bed. We're, we're talking about getting a king size bed as our forever it's, bed. It's a game changer. Yeah, it, it will especially be for, for like so. Mariah and I, uh, if you add our height together, we're probably not as tall as if you and Bex add your height together. But for tall people, mm-hmm. the, the it makes a huge difference for sure. I'm excited for you, man. You're going to get better sleep. <laughs> so you're talking about the California king. That's the only one that's taller. Yes. So a king is the same height as a queen. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. E- either way, there. I've been doing all this research and I keep coming back to Essentia. Mm. So the guy who started this company called Essentia, they don't use chemicals in, in their uh-huh. beds. It's the only, quote, memory foam, which is just a marketing term, right. without the use of, of harmful chemicals. Interesting. So Alabama, I want to get, uh, I believe his name is, here, I, got, I wrote his name down here. We'll talk about it after the podcast, but his name is Jack. Uh, I want to get him. He founded this mattress company called Essentia. Uh, and I heard him on another podcast talking about sleep mm. and how he especially helps athletes sleep better by the customization of the beds and not using chemicals and and finding the right bed for them. So Mm. I I really want to better understand this. So I don't trust them yet because Mm. I have not used the product and I'm not completely sold on it. But everything keeps pointing back to Essentia as a mattress brand that I might trust in the future. We've got some other surprise questions here. How about we address Michelle's question? How do we find clothing companies that use good quality fabrics and treat their workers fairly? 
Hmm. This is a perfect time to talk about greenwashing, Ryan. Yeah. What is greenwashing? Oh, it's a company. It makes me think of uh, like seventh generation, for example. Like they they do a good job of doing unscented things. They try to use, you know, chemicals that are good for the environment, but it's a it's a gimmick. It's not like an actual company that is really worried about um uh having a positive impact on the environment. Mm-hmm. They just they use the green as a marketing play, essentially. So is that what you mean by greenwashing? Yeah. So let's be clear. No company worries about the environment because companies can't worry. Right. 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 And so there may be someone at the head of a company Mm -hmm. like a B corporation, which we talked about on the minimal episode. They're on the public episode there. Uh, A B corporation does have some sort of social responsibility and they want to have a social and environmental positive effect. Right. So greenwashing, here's the specific definition. Greenwashing is the process of conveying a false impression or providing misleading information about how a company's products are more environmentally sound. Greenwashing is considered an unsubstantiated claim to deceive customers into believing that a company's products are more environmentally friendly than what they are. I wear contacts and there's a brand that I've stopped buying, but I it, I was buying it because of the greenwashing. Like it's, they do a great job of marketing. You're like, oh, I'm somehow helping the environment by buying this brand of contact uh, contact cleaner, contact solution. And now I just like do the off-brand stuff because it's pretty much the same thing. But yeah, I mean, we, we it's very easy to fall for. And so we can talk about, well, how do we... How do we find companies, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're getting back to Michelle's question, clothing companies in particular. Yeah. Well, I, here's what I do. So most of my t-shirts are bought from a company, purchased from a a company called LA Apparel. Mm-hmm. And I know that A, they're manufactured in the United States, mm-hmm. which incorporates certain regulations that are more helpful for workers, but also they pay way above minimum wage. They're manufactured here in Los Angeles, right? And so understanding this isn't greenwashing. It seems to me that the owner does care about paying a living wage to his workers. And even if it is used solely as a marketing ploy, (laughs) look how great we treat our employees. Okay. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. And Quite often in their marketing emails and stuff, they often feature their employees who are in. So you see there's a bit of transparency there. Mm. You get to see the the employees who are in the factory sewing because 94% of garment manufacturers in the United States still work in sweatshop-like conditions. That's crazy. So just because something is manufactured in the USA doesn't mean that yeah. it's inherently good or sustainable, right? Right. The most sustainable item is the item that you leave on the shelf. And so right. I, if I have to take an item off the shelf and bring it home with me, then yes, I often do consider where else is this money going? It's going to the workers. Yeah. It's going for socially conscious uh, values that align with my own values. Yeah. I, I love what you kind of said there about you know, the environmentally conscious decision is to buy less clothing. It's not about finding a company where like, oh, I can buy all the clothing I want and they're doing the best to, it's, no, like you don't need all that clothing. I literally, I use Son of a Tailor. They tailor the shirts. They're, I know that they're they're very conscious with uh, sourcing material. I know that they pay their workers well. I forget what, do you know what country they're based out of? I don't. But it's uh, it's like a country that really um, values its 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 workforce and like goes out of its way to give them a good work, give them work, good working conditions. Um, 
but but that's it. It's like it's that one brand. I don't buy a million of them. I just buy what I need. But it's not like I use that company as an excuse to just buy as many clothing items as I want. Yeah, and one might even argue that let's say you bought from one of these fast fashion places, right? Yeah. Like Zara or Topshop or H and M, right? Mm-hmm. If you had bought five black shirts from them mm-hmm. and then wore them until they wore out, yeah, it's probably better than buying a hundred shirts from the most sustainable company, right? Yeah. And so keeping in mind the quantity of consumption impacts the environment just as much as the quality of the things that we are buying. Yeah, 100%. Now, in terms of looking for companies that treat their employees fairly, the most popular website for that is a website called Glassdoor. So I have an article here from Fairy Godboss, which I'll put a link to this article in the show notes. It's called 11 Sites Where You Can Find Employee Reviews. So if you want to know who's treating their employees fairly, Hmm. you can go to Glassdoor. There's a few other... um, Websites you can go to as well, like Indeed or Vault or Career Bliss. Glassdoor is the most popular one, but it's employees review their employers. That's right. Wow. Now, you have to take that with a grain of salt as well, because quite often it's disgruntled employees who feel compelled to go on there. It makes me think of, uh, I forget the website it was, but where students um, review their professors. Yes. And uh, yeah, like that helped out a lot, like when I was going to college and like picking out classes and picking out the professors. And yeah, it's that's awesome that they do that with their with them with companies. That's cool. Yeah. So you can check that out. I'll put a link to that article in the show notes. We have a question here from Christy, which I think couples well with Hillary's question. Let's start with Christy's question, though. I prefer to buy stuff in a shop because it means jobs for people in my area. I like to try it on and test the quality before I hand over my hard earned money. Reach. Yeah. So this is more of a statement here. And I'm totally with that because you're keeping the money in your local community. And since I just moved to a local community that is fairly tight knit, mm-hmm. you know, I met both of my neighbors before we bought our new house. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the biggest selling points for me. But also all of the shops there are local. There's no giant chains. There's like a Starbucks in the edge of town, mm. uh, which is actually nice because we don't have internet at home. Mm. And so if I really need to go get internet, I have to go out of town intentionally. And yeah. so I'm writing things down. What do I want to get? And uh, even then, though, I go to the local coffee shop if they're open. They don't keep the same hours as Starbucks. There's a great local coffee shop. There are all these really great boutique shops. But even then, I need to be careful because their desire is to increase their profitability, mm. which means to I need to give them money, right? Mm-hmm parting with my money increases their profitability. So even then, I need to be intentional about what I'm buying from these local independent shops. But I totally agree with that. I'd rather keep my money in the local community rather than, well, rather than giving the money to Walmart and it makes its way to Bentonville, Arkansas or wherever else. Yeah. Um, Hillary has a question for us. The ease of the return process is why I order a lot through Amazon. I can drop it off at multiple locations with no package needed. I know, I know, I shouldn't be buying junk online anywhere, but sometimes it's worth it for items like clothes that you're never sure if they'll fit right or not. Is this okay? Well, there are no shoulds, Hillary. So we'll start with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Josh and I are not here to tell you what is and isn't okay. We're just, it's just the facts. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like, you know, you're using Amazon intent. I use Amazon. I mean, it's, yeah, I think there's some problematic things with Amazon. Um, 
But, you know, I think with anything that we purchase, there, there's got to be a little cognitive dissonance. Like, you, there's, there are things we ignore, um, you know, the, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, yeah, it's perfectly fine. We give you permission, Hillary. It's okay to use Amazon. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, here are some facts, as Ryan said, though. So, the environmental impact of constantly returning things online yeah. is pretty significant. And, and the same with the purchasing of things from a provider like Amazon that provides, quote, free shipping. Mm. There's no such thing as free shipping. Right. Someone is subsidizing that somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so if the shipping is free, it's embedded in the cost somewhere. Uh, and keeping that in mind, also the returns are embedded in the cost. Even if you don't plan on returning the thing, mm. that is embedded in the cost, yeah. right? And then there's the other cost. What do we call that earlier? Impact anxiety is what mm-hmm. Dave Eggers refers to it as. And so I can tell Hillary has a little bit of an impact anxiety here. That's why she's asking this question. Is it okay? Do yeah. you, I have your permission? You don't need my permission, but if it's creating some anxiety, which clearly it is, then maybe... You go back to what Chris Christy said. Christy said, hey, I like to shop locally. Mm-hmm. Or you do the hybrid of what I was talking about earlier with that list. Mm-hmm. I'll shop locally. If I can't find it locally, I've gone out of my way. I feel good about my attempt. Yeah. And then if I still absolutely need the item, I've employed the 30-30 rule. I've waited a day. Then go to Amazon. I can read the reviews. I can get educated. And if I still need the item, I could purchase it from there. And that little layer of friction, it reduces my consumption substantially. Yeah. Now, like I, you pointed out the anxiety piece of it, because anxiety is a symptom. So the question, Hillary, is what is that a symptom of? And is it something that you can address? Yeah. Well, Ryan, we have, uh, we reached out to some of our patrons and asked them about some mediocre purchases they <laughs> made. I thought we'd read a few of these to close out the episode. Cool. We got a comment from the live stream first, though. Shout out to our live stream patrons. Yes. If you have a question or comment, drop it in the chat. What do you got for us, Alabama? This comment is from Georgia. Thank you for the information on dollar stores. My one helpful purchase isn't enough to continue shopping there. Good points are being revealed right now. Nice. Yeah, the, the dollar store thing is fascinating because it is often the only available option or at least yeah. perceived to be the only option. Yeah. But of course, the other option is maybe I don't need these things at all. Yeah. And especially when it comes to many of the things the dollar store sells, the toxic or poisonous foods is like, well, wait a minute. This isn't nourishing me. Mm. It, can we find ways to nourish ourselves? Now, if you live in a food desert, that, that becomes a bigger problem. Right. But if you don't live in a food desert or if you have access to a grocery store by taking the bus or, or driving there, then I'm going to go out of my way for the healthy option yeah. as opposed to the convenience. I always prioritize health over convenience. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind sometimes where those dollar stores pop up. Like uh, in Goshen, Ohio, which is kind of like middle East, of, East Cincinnati. Yeah. like and, and it's for all intents and purposes, it's it's the boonies. Yeah. But they got a dollar store right there in the boonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Anyway. Well, let's review some of these mediocre purchases it. from our audience. Catherine has a problem. Bras get advertised for us well-blessed ladies all the time. So many ads, so much disappointment. Bras are stupidly expensive, and it's become so easy to exploit us via online ads. The online ads part is especially insidious because they learn what we like 
they're they good algorithms. Right. And they, yeah. they can see how long our eyes were on a particular product. Mm-hmm. Danny, I'm sure you're seeing this right now with you're reading that book, The Every, and it is terrifying. It's so dystopian because it's 98% utopian, right? And so mm. like, it seems great. Oh, they're tailoring ads to me. Mm. That sounds better than, oh, I don't want another you know ambulance chaser ad or whatever. Yeah. The reason it's more insidious is because the ambulance chaser ad never really affected me, right? Right. It didn't compel me to want to buy it. But the Instagram ads, I'm like, oh, maybe I would be happier if I bought this cardigan. Mm. Maybe I would be happier if I bought this pair of pants. Maybe I would be happier with that t-shirt. And then when we started upgrading our studio equipment and Peter sent me an email about the new Tascam that we have, the the mixing board that's over there. I know we look so professional. (laughs) That thing's not even on. (laughs) And now all of a sudden, now anytime I go to a website, it's Mm. like, Sweetwater is advertising task scams to me. I yeah. already own it. What, right. what? And But Instagram knows if you've made the purchase, if you've made the clicks. Wow. And it will feed more and more and more to you. Here's some accessories for your new switchboard. Here's why you are inadequate. <sighs> My goodness. And you can become adequate. You can become significant and other people will approve of you if you buy this and you buy it now. Oh, and by the way, if you can't afford it, Ryan... It's just four easy payments for that T-shirt. You can finance it. You can finance a bra now. You know what? I'm not buying any more bras. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) Cynthia has a problem for us. I bought my mom pop socks for Christmas a few years ago, which are socks with her dog's face on them. When they arrived, they weren't even actual socks. They were made of terrible material that didn't even have a heel in them. I paid about $25 for feet tubes. Feet tubes. <laughs> Feettubes.com, patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem with obligatory gift giving. Oh, yeah. A gift given out of obligation is not a gift at all. Because, mm. Ryan, if I obligate you to give me a gift, mm. and then you give me something that meets my expectation, well, that's a transaction, mm. right? You've sure. met my expectation. I have now accepted you as my friend. You've retained your status as best friend. Emmy-nominated best friend, by the way. (laughs) New York Times best-selling Emmy-nominated best friend. (laughs) New York Times best friend. (laughs) Yes. So here's the the thing about about the obligatory gift-giving process is it makes all of us miserable. Now I feel obligated to buy you something, so I'm going to get you some feet tubes. Mm -hmm. Here you go, Ryan. Mm. A thoughtless gift, and I've fulfilled my obligation. Yeah. I don't feel better for it. You don't feel better for it. Now you have to actually feel guilty because I don't get any value from the thing Josh got for me. Why do I want to get socks with your face on them? I don't know why, but (laughs) it would be worth the joke. I mean, it'd only be funny to me, but I think it'd be pretty funny. (laughs) Lee's has a problem for us. I've bought a lot of camping items that looked useful and smart, but I end up just using normal household items like cutlery and glasses since they were just easier to use. I wasted a lot of money on those smart items. I feel Lee's on this one. So um, we did our, it was like a prepper podcast episode. Yeah. And I talked about how I have a friend who's like a legit prepper. Um, You know, it's, I mean, I it's yeah, just crazy amounts of things that he has, right? Yes. So he has a service where he will like meet with you and like basically... Um, kind of go over with you like, hey, in, in the time of an emergency, here are things you want to think about getting. 
And um, he does a really good job because like he really he gets to know you. And then he's like, OK, here's what it, here's my recommendations for you. And living in L.A., I mean, we have earthquakes, man. Like, I mean, there's there are certain emergencies that you hope you that never happen, but you might want to be a little prepared for. But I'll tell you the list he gave me. I started like panicking because I'm like, oh, my God, I got to buy all this stuff. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, no, I don't like a, a flashlight. OK, like there was certain I was able to like basically cross out like 90 percent of it. And uh, but now, I, you know, I'm ready for an emergency and adjust for adjust for emergency situation. Yes. And uh, it, yeah, I, I'm not overwhelmed by all the stuff I had. But a lot of a lot of the stuff that he was recommending was his camping gear stuff that would maybe come in handy in some kind of post-apocalyptic world. Um, but I kind of realized, like, wait a minute, a lot of the stuff I already have, like the Berkey, for example, mm-hmm. I don't need I don't need to have an emergency water filter. I have a water filter already. I can put creek water in that stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we often have to think about here, and by the way, you can go back and listen to that episode on the maximal version of that on the private podcast. Mm-hmm. We actually reviewed everything that was in our go oh, bags. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. so you can go back and see exactly what is in that. You can just find the. We'll put a link to that in the show notes mm-hmm. podcast, Sean, if you're listening to this somewhere out there, he's <laughs> out there in the black abyss behind us mm. just listening. <laughs> Um, but the thing we want to think about is we unfortunately conflate three things. And these are three rules in the minimalist rule book, which you can download for free at theminimalists.com. And we confuse just in case items, just for when items and emergency items. Mm. Just in case items are items that we're holding on to just in case we might need them someday in some non-existent hypothetical future. All the USB cables you're holding on to, the HDMI cables, the extra batteries, the old phones, mm. the the clothes that uh, are a little bit too big on you. Or a little too small. Or a little too small. Yes. Th- these are just-in-case items. Yes. And most of the things we hold on to, we're holding on to just in case, even though we know somewhere deep down inside us mm-hmm. that we're never going to benefit from those things again. Or... 99% of them we're not going to, right? Yeah. Now, there are just-for-win items. And people who are truly prepared, they may have some just-for-win items. Mm. Things that you use over a period of time. So, toilet paper, Kleenexes. You know, Yes, I don't buy my Kleenexes one sheet of Kleenex at a time. That mm. would be insane. Or your toothpaste one nurdle at a time. That's right. <laughs> that, is, that is the Toothpastenurdles.com, patent pending. I bet it's out there already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, and then there's the third category, emergency items. Emergency items are just-in-case items that you hope you're never going to have to use. Yeah. First aid kits. Yes. Yeah. I I hope that I'm never going to have to use my first aid kit, but I'll be grateful because it doesn't fit within that 2020 rule, that just-in-case rule. Mm -hmm. Because if it's an emergency, I don't have $20 and 20 minutes to go spend. I need the emergency item now. We have to be careful, though, because we can justify holding on to anything. My javelin missile. I hope I never have to use it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> what you don't have one of those <laughs> mick has a problem for us i bought a house and farm sight unseen for 1.25 million Ooh, weird was, flex but okay <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing like the pictures and it definitely didn't match the homestead hype i had to sell it again after i moved 1500 kilometers to go live in it mm, was that like three football fields at least <laughs> Us Americans will use anything but the metric system. How many blue whales do you think that is? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Side on scene 1.25 million. Thanks for sharing that. That's probably a hard thing to fess up to. Like just dropping $1.2 million on something. Um, Yeah. Wow. 
What an expensive lesson to learn that there was a, a house that Bex and I tried to buy. I'm gl- this is remember last week we talked about the the, the Chinese farmer parable. Yes, and I was so disappointed that we didn't we 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 put an offer on this house and then they counter offers. So we made like because there was like this giant demand. I think they in one day got ten offers, and we were one of the three that they yeah, countered. Yeah, and then we end up not getting the house right mm-hmm. because we couldn't afford it. Someone came out of state, sight unseen, cash offer, no contingencies bought the house. Wow. And I was like, well, I can't do that. I'm not right. going to do no contingencies. Right. I can't afford to pay all cash for it. Right. Um, I have a down payment, which I've been saving for many years and great, mm-hmm. but I can't just do sight unseen, but we saw it, mm. but they, they just did it sight unseen. And, you know, they probably got a great house. I don't know if it's great for them or not, but mm. what happened to me is like, oh, this is terrible. Maybe. Yeah, it ended up being the best thing that could have happened because yeah. we ended up in a house that we enjoy appreciably more with neighbors we enjoy more in an area that we prefer, mm-hmm. and so it all worked out right. Yeah, and so if there's a lesson for is it Mick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to to get out of this is you know what? Maybe it's the best thing that could have happened. That lesson. I remember when I built my first house when I was 22, I was not ready for that. Mm. And if I could go back and do it differently, would I? Yeah, but I'd only do that knowing what I know now. But the right. only way I could know that, that's the paradox, is by going through it. Yeah. And so I went through it. And so now, Mick, you've gone through it. Mm. And the key here is to not let that same thing happen again. Yeah. Let's finish up with uh, Jenna's problem. I've tossed many supplements that did not meet the product description or the product simply didn't do what it was advertised to do. At times, it feels as though finding quality health products is an endless process. Mm. I wanted to save this one for last, Ryan, because this is one of those areas where we feel like I have to buy these certain things. Yeah. I have to buy toothpaste. I have to buy deodorant. I have to buy toilet paper. I have to buy... But those things aren't even true. You can buy those things. Mm-hmm. It's not that you should or shouldn't buy them, but there are plenty of people throughout the world who live without these things. Yeah. I don't use deodorant anymore. I haven't used deodorant in years. I know. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, me either. And I, the, the, but even when we were first minimalists, our, our friend Colin told me like he didn't use deodorant. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I'm, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. He doesn't stink. But I'm like, oh, he's a robot. He, he must be the exception, right? right? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, yes, your body odor changes when you go two or three weeks without it. Yes. But eventually your body adjusts and you realize like, oh, maybe I don't need that. Yeah. Maybe I don't need these chemical laden shampoos that I used to use that I don't use anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't need all of the excess I thought I needed. And even now, like our friend Paul Saladino, he did a whole episode about the not brushing with fluoride toothpaste because mm. the levels of fluoride in your toothpaste are so much higher than the levels of fluoride in your water. Right. It's not even close. So like thinking about using a different type of toothpaste maybe mm-hmm. with less fluoride or no fluoride is an option. Mm. We don't realize that we have options in these things because we've become habituated. I'm going to buy this thing and now I have brand loyalty. I'm buying it on repeat. And so I'll keep buying the Tide Pods that are injecting chemicals into my food. Mm. I'll keep buying the Crest toothpaste that are injecting chemicals into my mouth. I'll keep buying the bottled water with plastic in it, right? Mm. I'm buying all of these things 
that are actually poisoning me. And what a metaphor for our consumption. Our mm. consumption is poisoning us. We're buying these things because we're excited to buy them. But long term, the effects, the damage of these things are making us unhealthy, disease ridden and miserable. TikTok that, Danny Unknown. Is it just me? Is it only me who wants to eat a Tide Pod? It looks so delicious. <laughs> I have a feel, forbidden snack. I have a feeling you put hot sauce on it. Or no, maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely maple syrup on. They do look delicious. Mm. Patrons, yeah. live stream. Thank you so much. We're yes. grateful for your time today. Leave your comments below. I'd love to hear about the things that you've purchased that haven't lived up to the hype. Have you bought something that you regretted soon after and you realize like, oh, it looked great in the Instagram ad, mm -hmm. but I got it home and what a piece of junk this is. Let us know. Love people. Use things. Oh, let me finish off with a, a song. Ken Yates' new album just came out. Here's Consolation Prize. Enjoy. Thanks, patrons. So nice If you come around and say goodbye I don't have to ask you